This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking murder on the Orient Express. Two tickets, please. For murder? Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, good morning! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. Cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into the other fun movie topics. This is episode 306, 306. Another even number. <laughs> every, every, week, every other Divisible week. Divisible by two. Every other what week I would say that, yeah. <laughs> I like how you say good morning. I wasn't going to say this, but now, now it's on my mind. You say good, like, as if, like, the context of when we're recording matters, and so you say good morning. And it then, fits. It fits. It if fits right now. If you listen to all my intros, I always tell you the time of day that we're recording. I know. I know. I, you're, you're consistent. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking about it just now as if, like, people listening to this are, like, really not concerned with the today. <laughs> to be fair, to the, on their part, they're probably mostly driving to work or whatnot so it could be the morning or like working at the gym so like it likely is the morning when most people listen to this although we should start a poll when are the most people listening to this podcast is the morning afternoon i'm pretty sure they're gonna be like you know i actually listen to it in the afternoon yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna be so disappointed i make my uh, out now brand lemonade and fit on the veranda and put the put the old speaker on and get that going (laughs) <laughs> that's the vision i have for our podcast everyone like is it. everyone like has it. a farm and they sit on the back porch well i'm thinking that it's so warm it's like indiana jones when he's like digging through the tunnels and that's when we're listening to the po- okay <laughs> that's enough of this uh joining us today to talk uh i didn't even announce the movie we're talking murder on the orient express that's that's the movie we're revealing this oh. week yeah and uh joining us to discuss murder on the orient express we have from edge on the he witnessed a death on the nile it's Kevin Taft. I did? <laughs> you don't have to you're talk where, about you're it. Where, you're where Hercules is going to go next. <laughs> he- Hercule, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to cut off the ES because Hercules is a Greek guy. Kevin, how are you doing? I am good. How are you? Good. Good to have you back on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I know every. I ask you every so often and things just don't work out sometimes. So, yeah, it's good to get, good to get you on. Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> Make time for you, Aaron. <laughs> well, glad you were able to join us this morning, and let's get to some uh, let's get to some show notes real quick first up. For uh, let's see, we have a new commentary track out. We recorded one yes, this we week. Do. Yeah, it is for Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula, which I know has a large fan base. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's that it's Keanu fan base. It, there's a lot of people that like all kinds of things about the Dracula movie. So yeah, it's true. So I know it's uh, it's working so far. I've always thought that with the poster looked like he was, uh, you know, doing the old entire the whole entire old school recess, hands on your ears, thinking at your tongue out. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, like the... that na 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 look. Because oh, of... ah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's how I always saw that poster in 1997. It's a two, and so you, you 1992. So, so you thought like, oh, this is probably a fun romp with Dracula. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. You're like Gary, you know, I'm playing a teenager. Their, yeah, my sister had the poster on their on their room, so that before you entered, you'd be spooked out, kind of thing. But it, that's always what it reminds me of. See, popular I movie. Bought, I bought that poster before the movie came out because I thought it was going to be so amazing. I had it framed. I put it up, and then I saw the movie, and I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of thoughts on it in the comments here, because, like, Scott Mendelson and I are, like, we more or less like it for the style as opposed to the movie. 
where like yes. where like Jordan really like he loves the movie. It's like one of his favorite movies ever. Like so, it's yeah. no. There's a lot of fun talk about the about Bram Stoker's Dracula. Let's see what yeah. and that's on iTunes now, so you can find it right away. Uh, yeah. Let's see what else. Uh, iTunes reads ratings. Good to get those. Helps out our show. Helps other people find our show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search out now with our name. You can give us a star rating. That'd be awesome. You can even uh, write something. That'd be great too. Yeah. Thank you very much in advance. Pop us up on the charts <laughs> with Casey Kasem. That's. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to stop referring to Casey Kasem on this podcast. <laughs> I know, we really should. <laughs> I mean, more like I really should. <laughs> right after these messages. All right, let's move on. Let's. Uh, Get out a letter. Let's. <laughs> you do that too well. <laughs> Let's anyway. let's get to some know everybody. Reach we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, and better get to know no. everybody. That's, That's good. good. That's good. I like that. I'll start. <laughs> Abe, Kevin, yes. are you guys fans of train travel? Abe, you want to go first? I, I have been known to enjoy it, and the reason why is it's uh, fewer stops than light rail, and also there's a car where you can buy drinks and food. True, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Logic. I, I've only been on a train once when I was a kid. It's from Connecticut to Florida, so I don't really remember anything. But That's a long, That sounds like a long trip. <laughs> You know what? It really was. I learned how to draw Snoopy on that train track. I don't know why I learned how to draw Snoopy. But um, when I was watching Murder on the Orient Express, I did think to myself, I'd really like to do a train, like a cross-country train trip. So I would say I'm a fan. Of it. You're a fan and open to more. That's, that's what you're saying. <laughs> and I did love the Polar Express. So there you go. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. It wasn't a terrible movie. It, they look creepy, I know, but I still love it. And Tom Hanks in every role kind of just seems a little bit uh, spooky as well. But um, it is what it is. <laughs> Question for you guys. I didn't answer. Oh, yeah. Well, do you like train travel? <laughs> I like train travel. I don't mind train travel at all. Um, I, If it was more, I guess, convenient for where I needed to go, I would certainly probably embrace it more. And um, I know I've, I've been with Anna, who's very much used to train travel. Do you guys think the, uh, the train in uh, Los Angeles there? Well, like the LH, it doesn't really. I really think Los Angeles. It doesn't get me to where I need to go all that quickly. Like, is where, then you where gotta, would it drop you off? Santa well, there's Monica? like no, it dro- no, it drops you off at Grant at the at Union Station, which is like right in downtown. But then you need to. Yeah. I guess you'd have to take metro. the the metro. Yes, thank you. The metro <laughs> to get to where you need to go from there. It's just a matter of timing, really. But you know. Yeah, yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. You got a question? Yeah, I do. <laughs> got a question for you guys. I was, I was wondering if you were finished with your story. That's why. Uh, It'll all be in the memoir. Favorite... Don't worry. <laughs> do you guys have a favorite Kenneth Branagh accent? Oh, accent. I was like, where's yeah. this going? <laughs> Not the one in the Murder in the Express. That's for yeah, sure. that, that one was. We'll get to it, but we, that one switched between French and English and just lazy. Well, that's Belgian for you. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I like that one over his Russian accent in Jack Ryan. Oh, uh, but but the but the best one, hands down, despite the fact that I do not like this movie, is his Wild Wild West Southern Gentleman uh, performance. <laughs> that's that's his best accent. I would probably agree with that. <laughs> I mean, 
It's a pretty bad accent. <laughs> it's a it's a mix of like Southern dandy and racism, and it really works oh. for him. <laughs> Mister like, West, like it's all yeah, that. He, he's like such an accomplished, you know, and classically trained British actor that I'm kind of surprised by how poor some of these accents are sometimes. Well, the the thing is, he's you know he's a theatrical actor, so it's not about being accurate; it's about being it, big, it's about being boisterous and <laughs> yes, on stage. Exactly. <laughs> It's funny because when I was, even in this movie, when I was watching him, I was like, why does it sound not that good? <laughs> yeah. But because he's so well well regarded, I was like, well, maybe I'm just the idiot. <laughs> You're not, Kevin. You're not. Don't ever think of yourself that way. <laughs> well, I mean, he handled like all of the, like he was doing the directing. I assume he was probably handling the catering. Like he was really busy. So it's like the acting, you know, the accent has to come up short, I, mean, I guess. It's, it's a Kenneth Branagh joy. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, He loves to do all that stuff, right? He, like, he literally loves to star in the movie, direct it, and also probably do the catering. I mean, this is kind of his most ambitious film since Hamlet. He filmed on 70mm and everything for this one. So it's like he really pulled out the Man. stops, the train stops. <laughs> train stops, yeah. yeah. All right, that's enough of that. That's how you play. No, everybody. Let's uh, good. Let's move on. Let's get down. No cookies. Tim. Each week now now we cookies. Tim, I'm I'm proud of you this week. You actually said everything. It was I I had it. I had it. I had it control. Well, I mean, you always say everything every week, but you enunciated it this week. I I had it under control. Yeah. Um, Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? Uh, I didn't watch any other movies, but I watched Mindhunter on Netflix. Oh yeah. And um, it's a good series. It's not great. And I think that there are some episodes that are stronger than others, uh, especially when they're doing the psychological profiling and also when they're uh, solving cases. But whenever it's just dialogue between characters on almost everyday mundane things, it's it's where it's probably the most weak. Um, and I'm thinking of stuff like when Holden is, is shopping with his girlfriend in a grocery store. And they're talking about just pretty mundane stuff. And it's, it's just poorly constructed. So the, I, I, I think that's part of the point, though, where like the excitement so of that character yeah. comes from the fact that he's talking to these serial killers and then he gets back to everyday life and, and it's, it's so not mundane. engaging. Right. Yeah. So but uh, th- that's one example. And that's an example with an out. But th- I think there's other examples where it just doesn't come across as um, as as well written um, as when you're doing this profiling of some of these serial killers. But it's an interesting it's an interesting um, show, and uh, I I do enjoy that they have like this inter intersecting storyline that that never meets. It's always like in the beginning of, of each episode, there's like ten seconds of footage of something that's going on, and then uh, it skips across. But um, no, I mean it, it always reminds me of Science of the Lambs, and Science of the Lambs is one of my favorite movies. So the the profiling part is very very interesting, but the show itself is sometimes it's hit and miss. I know what you're saying, because I, I largely agree with you. I do think the second season's really going to... I think it's going to be, by default, better, just because it has kind of, a, like, it during the first season, it kind of picks up a route that it's taking, and I think in the second, it's really going to kind of stick with that and be more effective overall. But Yeah, he'll, he'll finally be Batman in the second season. Exactly, yeah. He'll, he'll get the arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's Mindhunter. That's on Netflix now. Um, I'm a fan, too. Uh, Kevin, what, what else have you seen this week? Uh, this week, let's see, I saw Thelma, which is, I believe it's Norwegian, I hope. Um, yeah, yeah. Porn film about, uh, it's hard to actually describe. It's almost like a more realistic X-Men coming of age story. 
really about like sexual and emotional repression, but she has special powers as a college student. So as she's kind of learning about herself because she'd been kind of held back her whole life by her family. She starts to kind of unleash some powers, but it's a slow burn. It's more kind of a realistic approach, but it's pretty good. Like when you get into the, the stuff, the powers that she has, they're pretty alarming when they happen. So you would say this girl has all the gifts. <laughs> but um bump. Um, I liked it better than that movie, I have to say. And then I did watch um, Alias Grace on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's the... Uh, yeah, we mentioned that last week. It's from the same author that wrote The Handmaid's Tale, right? Yes. It was excellent. It was so good. And it's only six episodes, so you can fly, fly through it. Mm. But it's like uh, Downton Abbey meets The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, so super uplifting. <laughs> yeah. It's super British? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. very Canadian, actually. It's very Canadian. <laughs> based <laughs> off all... Like, murder step blood so it's a little bit more like ooh, what's gonna happen type thing mm-hmm. rather than down everywhere it's just people talking a lot <laughs> which i enjoy those brits always talking a lot oh damn it <laughs> and well, that's you, all you said you saw a couple of films right wait what did i say oh i saw call me by your name on friday mm, okay um, and what else did i see oh battle of its sexes i finally saw i had to catch up so you think of uh call me by your name um it it's very good and I I like it more now that I'm thinking about it. I had some issues with uh, Army Hammer's acting in it and the chemistry or kind of like why he was drawn to the the boy that he falls in love with. Oh, and I saw three up uh, three billboards. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was. Uh, I guess I saw a lot this week. <laughs> I think that's what Aaron was trying to get at. He <laughs> like Kevin, you already told me. Like, Kevin, I've seen you at like five other premieres this week. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I've seen a few things this week, a couple of Netflix things and some other stuff. So let me do the Netflix stuff first. First up is a movie called Wheelman. This is the one with Frank Grillo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's okay. Leaning on bad, which is unfortunate because I like Frank Grillo. But like, In a fun way? Well, no. Cause the, so the movie, oh. like, it's... It's like a mix of both of both like Locke is from, like the Tom Hardy film as yep, far as yep, like it's it's mostly from the perspective of like the car, um, and also being like the transporter, um, where it has this kind of macho aesthetic where Frank Grillo plays a you know a wheelman, and so it's it's mostly seen from the perspective of the car, and like it's balancing like phone calls and there's tension with people getting into the car and whatnot, but then it also has the kind of standard crime story that's just not that exciting overall, so it just. Mm. It's not that long of a movie. It's like 80 minutes, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's, it's fine. Like, I'd, I'd like to see Frank Grillo used better. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's it's for a Netflix film, it's okay for a watch. The other film that I saw, I didn't actually see on Netflix yet. It comes on Netflix next week. I saw it at a, like a, a, a screening of it. Uh, Mudbound. Oh. Uh, Wait, that's going to be on Netflix next week? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The... the... The film the I'm about to talk about, yeah. Netflix? Yes. <laughs> the highly regarded Mudbound? Much like the highly regarded other films that come out on Netflix, yes. <laughs> okay, alright. No, I, I thought it was just going to be a theatrical. I didn't know that Netflix, Netflix was releasing it. Yeah, it's, a net, it's, it's, it's a, both, right? Yeah, it's both. It's, it's a limited theatrical release, much like Beast of No Nation or the right. First They Killed My Father, like the other you know period drama yeah. Netflix films to qualify for awards. This one just happens to be qualifying for probably more awards. It's very good. Um, it's it has uh, what's his name it has Jason Mitchell, Jason Clark, Garrett Headland. Garrett Headland, by the way, who I think I'm like I'm Surgeons? done. 
I, I'm done saying like Garrett Hedlund's like been on this like apology tour for like being thrust as like new white lead because he's like just he keeps taking interesting and good roles and so like yeah. he's just a good actor now. That's what I'm calling Garrett, Garrett Hedlund because he's very good, good at this. Um, so you forgiving you're forgiving Tron Legacy? Well, it's not even forgiving because I like more or less Tron Legacy. I like Tron Legacy it, a and, lot, <laughs> and we like Four Brothers. <laughs> so it's like yeah. like Wait, I've never had a. Never, what, what was he in? What he was in recently that he was really terrible in though? What's the Lost one? City Z? No, that was that was a good one. No. That, that's Charlie Hunnam for one thing. Joe, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no. Yeah. no, it was right. It was recent, and he he's... pan pan pan. Yes, yeah, yes. no. It was so he plays bad. Captain James Hook with an accent. Yeah, no, that's that's not good. <laughs> like, but that seems more like, well, I need the money this week, so <laughs> I can't keep doing these art house films. <laughs> so yeah. let me do something. <laughs> I can't keep doing these art house. Films. Anyway, anyway, what was I saying? Jason Clark, Jason Mitchell, Garrett Hedlund, Carrie Mulligan, Mary J. Blige. It's set in the it's set in Mississippi, nineteen forties. It's about these two families, a white family and a black family. The white family just moved onto this farm. The black family is like they've been sharecroppers on that land, and there's a lot of racial tension between them. Both have uh, Garrett Hedlund's like the brother of the white family, and Jason Mitchell's the Jason Mitchell from Straight Outta Compton. He's he was easy. Yeah, they both go to war. They come back from war, and they kind of form a friendship. And it's just about how these families relate to each other and like the, the, the social standing between with them in that area and whatnot. It's really good. Um, what I what I like about it is that it it, sh- it has a shifting perspective where there's like basically six lead characters and you hear narration from all of them. And so it switches it switches the point of view between all of them. So hey, you, you know what movie doesn't do that? What? Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, there's a reason. But we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's I because a movie like this, you could think, well, it's just kind of like a standard period drama that, you know, is automatically considered important. But I think this movie is actually really well done. Like I was really engaged cool. by it. I think it's really yeah. well acted. Uh, it just has a lot going for it. And for a Netflix release, like this is probably one of the stronger drama ones that I've seen on there. That's good um, to hear. But yeah, uh, Mudbound. That's next week it premieres, and that's it's a good one to look out for. It's not an upper, that's for sure, but it's uh, oh. it's, it's not... all right. <laughs> who directed okay. it? I don't, I don't... Uh, D. Reese, who did a Pariah a few years back. Oh yeah, huh? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's a it's a good one. What else? Uh, I've uh, Anna and I we went to AFI Fest yesterday. AFI Fest is this week in L.A. And cool. um, we saw a couple things so far. Um, first up is Spore, um, which is a Polish film. It is a murder mystery. And it involves this older hippieish woman living like out in the country in Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, it's from the director of The Secret Garden and Europa Europa. That's who directed Spore. Oh, the um, Secret Garden. I know, right? That was bad. Not a terrible movie. And um, so this this older hippieish woman, she lives in the like the countryside, and there's a lot of hunting that goes around around her, and she does not approve of this. She she really values the life of animals, and as more and more animals are being killed and she in especially the treatment of them when they're being trapped and whatnot some of the hunters involved just start to mysteriously die and so it just kind of it has her as like a viewpoint and you just kind of see how things play out and it's like it's a neat character study and murder mystery at the same time um doesn't quite stick the landing but it's still worth seeing i would say i think it was it was good okay so it's from poland yeah it's poland and I have, I have no general idea what Poland looks like, so it's like, oh, that's what the Polish countryside looks like. <laughs> so it's like it's it's snowy in the winters, which makes sense, but it's also really green in the summertime. Oh, it's like, we, oh, we well. just lost all of our Polish listeners now. <laughs> but yeah, 
the other thing that we were able to do, we saw some of. We didn't get to see all of it because parking was terrible yesterday, so we couldn't stay as long as we wanted to in L.A. Uh-huh. Uh, but we got to see the good, the bad, and the ugly at the old Grauman's Chinese Theater, so like the giant you know, TCL Chinese Theater there. It, I mean, the good, the bad, the ugly is a classic, and it's fantastic, but it's like seeing it in like you know the legendary theater is like, that was cool. That's a cool like experience to have. So that, was, that was fun. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. And again, good and the bad, the ugly, you know, rules. So it's like that doesn't hurt either. So yeah, that's what I've been watching. And uh, yeah, that's how no cookies. Yep. Let's. I've you know, I've also saw three billboards. I feel like we might probably do like a special episode on that back, at some point, especially with some of the uh, yeah. There's a lot of the, other more uh, art house films from yeah. the winter time. Yeah. So when it spreads wider and you get a chance to see that, we'll probably have a, something exactly. to talk about because December. <laughs> selling out like yesterday all day long too yeah. and it was on i think it played every hour and every screen was sold out three billboards everyone's everyone loves that academy award winner francis mcdormand it it has it had like a great uh per theater average it was only open to like four theaters this week but like it like scored big for that kind four. of release yeah uh but yeah well i know december aside from a couple notable releases is pretty uh bare so we'll probably have time to get into more kind of some of the <laughs> some of the smaller releases that are picking up, you know, awards attention. Speaking of, can I actually just ask a question? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Can I interrupt and ask a question? Yeah. What, why is there no buzz or anything about The Greatest Showman? I'm not sure. I mean, we've talked about it on the show in terms of just the trailer, but yeah, that's a good question. It's weird, like, I don't hear anything. I don't see any screenings coming up. But to me, that seems like it's going to be one of the bigger Oscar potentials. Yeah, like, it it, it looks fine. Like I don't see much of a problem with that. I mean, it maybe just Fox has a lot of other things going on, so they're just kind of working their way towards it because it doesn't come out till Christmas Day, right? Yeah, yeah, but we've seen a lot of information from other movies that are coming at Christmas Day as well. Uh, I mean, I does well, I mean, what, what a, does a teaser trailer and like a viral marketing campaign really benefit a film like The Greatest Showman? That's true. I mean, maybe I don't know. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I, yeah, I, I, was, I am somewhat surprised that there's not more kind of notoriety going towards it at this moment. But we'll just kind yeah. of see where it's at. It's what November. 12th. Maybe, maybe everyone's circused out. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they've just been watching uh, the Snowman and just like, wow, this is the worst circus show I've ever seen. I mean, it's it's Hugh Jackman, so you know he's going to sell the hell out of this movie when it's coming closer. Yeah, That's and the and La La Land's writers, you know, did all the music, so you think they're push that too but i don't know is hmm. it a, is it a wide release on christmas that's another question i, have I think so i, I mean it says it's, it's opening december 20th to 2017 greatest showman wide yeah all yeah. right well we'll see well we'll find out well yeah that's enough cookies yeah let's uh, let's move on let's get to another fox movie because we're gonna do some trailer talk we'll talk some of the newest movie trailers of the week when it's coming out what we thought of it and what have you and this week we are talking the post um the upcoming historical period drama from director steven spielberg starring meryl streep and tom hanks along with a lot of other people um it deals with it deals with the i mean it deals with the pentagon papers which is a new york times thing but it's actually dealing with the washington post's involvement with this whole kind of scenario during the time when the government's involvement with the vietnam war was being revealed in a lot of new ways that were previously unknown um as i said meryl streep tom hanks steven spielberg movie all the ingredients to be a success, I would say. Kevin, what do you think of the trailer? Um, I, you know, as you know, I'm a huge Spielberg fan, so I was excited to finally see something about it because mm-hmm. they weren't really releasing much. Uh, you know, it, I don't know much about the the incident, so there's that part of it's intriguing to me because I want to learn about it. Um, the trailer confused me a little bit timeline wise. Uh, I couldn't really figure out where we were and 
they mentioned 30 years and I'm like, well, it seems like we're in the seventies, but are we in the nineties? I couldn't figure it out. But at the same time, it looks slightly generic. So I'm not sold on it yet, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. How about you, Abe? Uh, I like the trailer. I, I think that it was, um, well, probably because it's very apropos to what's going on right now in today's environment of uh, sure. news outlets and whatever else, and especially because it concerns the Washington Post, which um, a few months ago had put down the the tagline of "Democracy dies in darkness." So I find it very interesting uh, just to have this type of movie come out during this time period. And I don't know if it was just coincidental timing. Um, it's not. But, <laughs> I can yeah. guarantee that. <laughs> <laughs> but I find it very. Uh, I think that it's it's got. Uh, I'm always fascinated by true life events that involve uh, newspapers. Like for instance, last year was it just last year's or a couple of years ago with uh, Michael Keaton and the Boston there. Boston. Yeah, that globe. was like you know, two, three years ago. Now. Yeah, uh, wow, two, three years ago. That's a long time now. Still on Netflix. <laughs> it is. You see, it, it's kind of depressing, but you know, it is what it is. So I always find it interesting whenever there's a story or a movie about. Just newspapers in general, because when I was watching this, I was like, you know, more people should watch the paper from Ron Howard. Also with Michael Keaton. (laughs) Yeah, also with Michael Keaton. Yeah. So there's like some really good movies about newspapers um, and their their quote unquote heyday of really breaking news. But um, I'm intrigued by this story. I guess I'm not I'm not exactly sure what happens with The Washington Post, because as Aaron mentioned, it's a New York Times thing. But I'm always just uh, I'm always a fan of Tom Hanks. Um, and also whenever Steven Spielberg works with Tom Hanks, uh, it seems to be a good rump. And then I'm pretty sure that um, Mel Shoup's going to get an Academy Award nomination out of this just because it's an automatic thing now these days. So we'll see. We'll find out. It seems but, to involve her doing less of a, like, let me put on a wig and an accent and just be. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I started watching Florence, like Florence, what? Florence Foster Jenkins. And I was like, you know, I'm going to finish this later, but I like it so far. You know what? <laughs> Hugh Grant is great in that movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hear. That's kind of why I started to watch it. I've heard that he's really tremendous in the movie. Um, the other thing is also, lastly, Bob Odenkirk. I love Bob Odenkirk, uh, how he's turned into this dramatic actor these now, uh, now because He's such a funny guy, and he started out writing a whole bunch of comedy and writing on the the late show with Conan O'Brien, and now it's and Mr. Show, of course, Saul. as well. Yeah, Mr. Show, right? And now he's like Saul from Better Call Saul and, and Breaking Bad, and I just love that he's turned into this dramatic actor. That uh, he really looks like one too, even though he's probably like uh, creatively thinking about comedy all the time. I think the trailer's fine. I get what Kevin's saying because I kind of agree. Where it's like, all right, it's kind of selling you the basic points to get you like, okay, now I know what this thing is. Um, but as far as like the movie goes, I'm very excited about it. I think newspaper dramas in general tend to excite me because it has to be a certain kind of rhythm because everyone has a deadline, so they're by default always racing against the clock to like get stories done. So that means the dialogue kind of feels sharper, the performances feel kind of snappier. And so that gets me excited about a movie like that. It doesn't hurt that, yeah, it has plenty of relevance, and it has this, like, great cast going in. You have Streep and Hanks, but you also have, like you said, Abe, you have Bob Odenkirk, also Tracy Letts, Bradley yeah. Whitford, Bruce Greenwood, Matthew Reese from The Americans, which is great to see him getting, like, other roles outside of Do you of think that. he's going to be a spy? Of course, yeah. He'll be a spy for the, for the, for the New York Times. <laughs> 
Is that um, Carrie Coon in it too? Yeah, Carrie Coon, Allison Brie, David Cross, Jesse Plemons. There's like Michael oh, Stuhlbarg. Jesse Plemons is in this movie? Yeah, yeah, Michael Stuhlbarg, Zach Woods. Like, there's a ton of people oh, in this movie. Yeah, I love, yeah. the, do love the Michael Stuhlbarg. Like a mix of like character actors and like young comedic actors. So Bruce Greenwood really, really selling it up there. It's like. By God, he will. Well, he, like, all right, Bruce Greenwood. Well, he's Robert McNamara, so like that's exactly the character you're supposed to be playing. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I the I guess the only thing I'm curious about is because I've we, we've talked about this. I'm not the I'm not huge on the continued use of Janusz Kaminski, a cinematographer for Steven Spielberg films. Steven Spielberg, right, right, right. It, it, they all it's making them start to blend together a lot. So I. The film doesn't seem like it has that much ambition from a visual standpoint to make me think this is going to look tremendously different from, you know, previous Spielberg sure. dramas like Bridge of Spies, for example. Bridge of Spies, exactly. So, like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't doubt it's going to be well-assembled because it's a Steven Spielberg movie, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, another Kaminsky, like, blown-out look and kind of the, like, dry interiors and whatnot. I, 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 I want to see more. Like, it's why I'm looking forward to Ready Player One, because it's like, this this like, at least gives him something to work with visually that's, like, way different. But, um, you know, yeah, we'll see. The post arrives in theaters uh, December 22nd. Um, so, yeah, that's when that's happening. And with that said, I think that means it's time to get to our main review for Murder on the Orient Express. Would you mind if I join you? You're the world-famous detective, Hercule Poirot. Avenger of the Innocent. Is that what they call you in the papers? And you are innocent? <laughs> You're fun. A passenger has died. He was murdered. The murderer is on the train with us now. And every one of you is a suspect. <laughs> so, let us catch a killer. That should have been some of the trailer for Murder on the Orient Express, Agatha Christie's uh, beloved mystery story um, since its release in 1934. Adapted, It's been adapted multiple times into games, a TV movie, and most notably 1974's Oscar-winning Sidney Lumet feature. It would appear Kenneth Branagh has some big shoes to, and mustaches to fill, and so he does. Filming on 65mm cameras... His take finds another all-star cast, Brana, Johnny Depp, Willem Dafoe, Michelle Pfeiffer, Josh Gad, Daisley Ridley, Leslie Odom Jr., Penelope Cruz, Judy Dench, among others, in a period-set mystery aboard the Orient Express. A passenger is murdered, and it's up to the famed detective Hercule Perrault to determine <laughs> the culprit. The problem is, everyone seems to be a suspect. What was that again? Hercule Perrault. I think I can, I'm right. nailing it. I'm nailing it every time. This sounds like an episode of Comedy Bang Bang. <laughs> Kevin, are you a fan of the uh, the the Christie story, Did, or were you familiar with the Christie story before uh, going in? I I knew the name. All right. Well, what'd I've you think never, of the What'd you think of the film? I've never seen the original. Oh, well, the Sidney Lumet version. Um, I you know I I liked it. I think it's entertaining. But I found when I laughed, my friend said like, "What'd you think?" And I literally just could say, "It's fine." Like I just don't know. I don't think there was a point to really having to remake it. And if people have seen it, they're going to know the ending. I didn't know the ending, so that was good. And I did keep on trying to guess, and I didn't guess. I don't know. It was it was entertaining, but it wasn't. I wasn't dazzled by it. I wasn't like, oh my god, run out and see it. Does that? Yeah. Your question. Yeah, it does. We'll get we'll get more into it. Abe, what do you think? Uh, so I haven't seen any of the original stuff, and I haven't read the the Agatha Christie novel, and I, I I was very curious. I think last week when you were asking whether I had seen it and and whether what my thoughts would be on the movie. Um, so now I'm very curious what the original 
or 1970-some-odd movie uh, was like, and also I probably should read the Wikipedia on on the novel itself. But um, I, I agree with Kevin. It, like, it's fine. Like, it's beautifully shot, and it looks great. Um, some of the set pieces are really well done, and the lighting is, is so spot on that sometimes you're just like, yeah, there's like a soft light right next to his face right now. <laughs> um, huh. But, um, and the acting, I think the acting's on point. Uh, there's actually some parts in the movie where I was like, wow, this is some really solid acting by Michelle Pfeiffer or, or some really so- solid acting by, uh, uh, I forget the name of the his buddy who's the playboy who is the train director. Oh, uh, Book. Um, Book, yes. The, uh, what's his name? I forget the actor's name. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, like I don't him. know either. Yeah, you liked him too? Yeah, I did. I was surprised. I didn't know who he was either. Yeah, I didn't know who he was, and I didn't know what kind of role he would play in the movie. But uh, I, I did like just the whole entire like sidekickiness of it. Uh, but also that he's like this idiot playboy that just repeatedly takes verbal abuse from Bero. But on the whole, I don't think that there's so much intrigue uh, in the movie. I don't think that they really developed the characters enough to give you a sense of well, perhaps he or she did it. Um, unlike Kevin, I did figure it out. And and that's probably because I've seen too many movies. And that's might have been the reason why I, I don't want to spoil it. There's a there's just interesting aspects of it, which do make it a powerful point uh, at, towards the uh, the end there. But I I was kind of just um, bummed out because it just didn't really go into how it could have gone down um, or I, not how it could have gone because they, they it obviously free, yeah. tell you. Yeah. But it just more of like, okay, well, you know, throughout the course of the movie, this is uh, what this person's uh, motive might be, or um, this is what this person might be doing. So it, it didn't really go into that aspect of it. There's like some funny lines from, from Brana as Perot. Um, and that's well and good, but I don't think there's really much else in this movie aside from you getting to really know Inspector Perot's perspective on good and bad and his views on the world. So it's unfortunate, but yeah, it looks good. Just not a whole lot in there. Josh Gad also very good. Uh, Tom Bateman's the name of the, the actor that plays Booth. Ah, yeah. Okay. I largely agree with you guys. <laughs> it's the, uh, the movie. It's fine. Like that is really the best way to put it. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that makes it like because I've seen some people that are kind of coming down hard on it. It's like, well, walking into the murder on the Orient Express, which I was fairly familiar with. I haven't, I can't, if I've seen the '74 version, it hasn't been in a long time. But I know the story well enough, and I was really trying not to focus on it to see what kind of new this version would bring to it. And I'll get to that because I do think there's some interesting things that it that Brana tries to do with this update. Um, but yeah, as a film, it's like it's not going it, it gave me exactly what i expected which i guess is not necessarily a letdown but it doesn't really become anything more than average the the yep. cast the cast is strong i think there is some mainly because they have more to do than others but some that really kind of stand out um mm. but it's it's well filmed like it, it has this great kind of hey we're using this large format to give you all you want as far as a kind of wintry train location and i think Brana, I don't think he's the most ambitious director. Certainly not here, at least uh, compared to some of other other stuff, maybe. But um, the he goes outside the train sometimes, and inside the train he does a lot. With given that he has such a kind of a wide scope to work with, I think it's neat how he uses the compartments to the best he can as far as making it feel somewhat different um, and different shots and whatnot. A lot of shots behind the glass, which I noticed in the. 
Surprise. Which was cool the first time. <laughs> it was. And I liked every time I was seeing it. No, notably, not as many Dutch yeah. angles as I was expecting, which this seems like a movie that I could... I totally forgot. It seems like a movie that could have used a lot of Dutch angles, but like somehow yeah. it didn't have many compared to some of his other films. Um, uh, Thor. Thor, yeah. <laughs> um, Depp, I thought, was really good in this movie. Um, I, I think there's... Depp's stock is kind of low these days, given his personal life and what's become right. public. And this movie, I think, is has there's some meta commentary going on, and I can see why he chose the role he is, where he's this kind of gangster, where a lot of people really hate him. And it's like, huh, that's <laughs> I, yeah. I I I see I see some things going on here as far as why well, you're in this there's, movie. There's a really great line from Michelle Pfeiffer when they when they meet in their cabins, and she's just like, you know. You're you're probably the kind of guy that can get anything that you wanted until you open your mouth. <laughs> it's just like, oh, oh man, what a burn. Well, hello. Eyes linger any longer. I'll have to charge rent. I'll pay. Mm. Have another drink. Are you insulted? <laughs> Disappointed. Some men have a good look. All they have to do is keep their mouth shut, and they can take home any prize they want. Still, the mouth opens. Well, he's he's quite, and I'm trying to dance around things, but I think there's a shot of Depp where, like, when you kind of around the time you first meet him, when he looks into a mirror, and the expression he has, like, this guy hates himself. It's like, wow, this is I'm getting a lot of this Johnny Depp performance that I know is not going to be a huge part of the movie, but um, from the Brana side, because he is like the lead. Yeah, that's a, it's a bit of a wacky performance that he's giving here. Um, a mix of look at my mustache and I need to treat this seriously and balancing that. Um, <laughs> I didn't it, think about that until you mentioned it, but yes, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's not just the fact that he has the mustache. They make sure to draw your attention to it like every step of the way. Like he has a little ma- his little sleep mustache mask that he has to right, wear. Yeah, night. just to keep it in, in perfect shape. Yeah. It was so distracting. I, just, yeah. I, I literally stared at it every time he was on screen. And, because I couldn't figure it out. It looked like four mustaches put together, and I was trying to figure out where they connected. <laughs> I, I thought the same thing. I thought, wow, this looks like, yeah, four different pieces. <laughs> yeah, it's an elaborate prop, and I, and I think the movie itself is kind of like – it's kind of like a state, like a, uh, like a, like let's all play dress up and see how this goes type movie where, it, and it somehow that succeeds more than it doesn't for me, which is impressive because it, like it's, you look at all these actors here and it's like everyone, like no one really feels like they're from this era. It just feels like here's a bunch of people that we got for this movie and we cast them. And right. it's to its benefit, I guess, that it somehow works still. Because I do think like the mystery itself is not all that intriguing. It becomes, Honestly, I liked it before the murder happened. Like, I was just enjoying, let's have all these characters interact with each other. And, like, they don't know each other, so there'll be, it'll be fun, spontaneous conversation that comes out of it. And so you get a lot of, like, fun little exchanges and whatnot. Once the murder happens and the film starts to get going, it's like, okay, like, I get it. And there's a lot of, like, one-on-one conversations because you have to have Perot, um, interview, or... Uh, inter- I, I, I prefer to use the depth pronunciation of it. Piero. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of like, all right, he has to interrogate everyone. Yeah. Um, and then it resolves itself, and you, some may know it going in, because, yeah, the movie's not going anywhere new, I guess, with the story. But no, let me, okay, let me mention the things I did like uh, as far yeah. as that goes. Because uh, the film, 
it incorporates some ideas involving like prog- progressivism with racism and whatnot, where Perot's motivation even to be involved in this case is because he doesn't want the black passenger or the um, the the, the, uh, the Latin know, passenger the Latin, Latin passenger to be like implicated just by default, and so it's like okay, he's doing a deed now because he wants there to actually be justice and not just let's pin it on the black guy, that kind of thing. So there's like and there's little things like that, like uh, just little exchanges characters have. Willem Dafoe plays like a racist guy. Um, who, a racist professor. A racist professor who's given like a talk. He's like a dressed down Nazi. He's like he's given like a talking <laughs> to. Like there's there's little elements like that. It's like all right, well you're tr- making a modern update. You're trying some things, so I can I guess admire some aspects of that. But yeah, it's so so I think that you took more of that out than I did because I, I kind of just I kind of thought that it was to some degree just you know stuff to uh, stuff to pad the the plot and stuff to pad the character those additional characters because i never it's, took that it's seriously. there though like it's, it, it's there's a there. version of this movie that doesn't have that and that's the 74 okay. version but um, yeah so it's like well i can i can admire that if you're gonna make an update of this there are some ideas here that are here and i can i can understand what you're saying like it's not pronounced or in a way that's like now this movie has all kinds of relevance in today, but it's like, all right, there's right, something yeah. there. Because I didn't take it that way. I kind of just saw it as, okay, well, these are all just clues to kind of throw me off the trail. And uh, some are right, some are wrong. Yeah, it seemed a little, all of it seemed a little superficial. It didn't go that deep into those issues, but I see what Aaron's saying. Well, for, for, for at least for Perot's, Perot's motivation, I, I admired that. It's not like, because he's, he's on this trip and he doesn't really want to do anything. He's just like, I'm bored, I'm tired, I want to take a vacation. And yeah, because this and Charles Dickens and and laugh like a like a giddy child, <laughs> yeah. which I found hilarious. Oh, Dickens! <laughs> I was like, I never know. I never. I know that Dickens is kind of like this comical writer, but I've only read Oliver Twist, and that, that made me sad. <laughs> Wait, I mean, this is the only entertainment people have at this point, right? Like just reading Charles. like new books from authors. So it's like, hey, all right, <laughs> he's he's a real big Dickens fan. Do you think that he was an Agatha Christie fan? Because you know, just curious. <laughs> Well, I'm trying to think now because like Stephen yeah, King, they, they Stephen King like exists in the world that his novels it, exist. Yeah. So like, exactly. does Agatha Christie exist in the world that her, her books exist? Right. So uh, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. Uh, what you guys think of that overhead shot? There's there's a couple of them, but um, kind of going back to your question about the cinematography, there's like this overhead shot which I personally found fascinating. I, I like that too. I was actually wondering if we were going to talk about that, but yeah. I thought that was. Uh, they used it what twice? I think they did yeah, that. Yeah, they used it twice. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I I really found it intriguing because it was like watching, you know, it was literally letting us see crime scenes, so we could kind of pinpoint exactly what they're noticing without it being like zoom in on this and angle on that. We could actually just watch them and investigate. Yeah, I, I like I said, I think Brana's direction it's it's fine here, but yeah, he every now and then he does like. He, he gives you some moments to like work with. It's like, okay, this is like, now I can see what a 2017 version of the story can do if he's actually putting some effort into it. Yeah, there's some cool shots like that that really explore the train since the train is such a limited location to work with. It's like, okay, he's, he's doing some stuff here. It's, it's not yeah. just forcing a camera into a corner while like Kenneth Branagh walks around. I also have another follow-up question for you guys. Uh, different topic, but when the train is not moving, how are they powering the lights? <laughs> The, you didn't see the this solar is, panels on the train, because right? yeah. because they're sitting in the they're sitting in the cafe car and the lights are on. I can understand that the they can use coal to start fires to make food, 
But how are they powering the lights? I mean, I'm sure there's some logic that I don't know, but <laughs> I, I, I'm sure trains work that way. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I was just a legit question. It wasn't it wasn't a joke question. We we mentioned some things um, that I guess weren't explored too much. The thing that kept bothering me was every time they cut to Kenneth Branagh looking at his like lost love in the picture. Catherine. Oh yeah. Like. That just was nothing. Like, it just seems like way over. The, it's like, do I need more of this? Do I need more of, like, Hercule, um, like, sitting around and being dramatic? It's just like, okay, like, you well, got a crime. Well, that's where I find that it becomes a little bit more superficial, right? Because yep. early on, he's even talking to Book about love and, and saying, like, you know, love, it has it comes at a high cost. They don't mention that ever again until, like, an hour later. And then, like what you're saying, there's no real consequence to it. So it's, it's superficial in that it doesn't it disregards things that you would necessarily need to know, even though it kind of gives more depth to Perot himself and only Perot. Um, but I'm, I was kind of bummed out that you didn't really get much uh, background from any of the other characters. So, for instance, there's a dance uh, duo on the on the train. And I completely forgot about them until he has to go interrogate them. And I was like, oh, right. They're here on the train. And uh, I would have loved to see more because that guy looks like a legit, you know, ballet dancer. Uh, And also there's a lot of intrigue with the woman that he's with, his wife. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where having so much Brana means getting less of other people. And it's like, I'm not sure how much I need, unless he's really devoted to playing Hercule Perrault and want to make like a whole franchise out of this character. It's like, well, you know, I mean, he does have he does have a next case on the Nile. Well, yeah, the death. Well, there's other, yeah, there's other books with Perot, but it's right. like, is this was Brana making this movie with the expectation of like making like five other of these? Because if he is, that's good on him. But at the same time, it's like there's a there's a huge cast, and like Judy Dench, for example, is basically a cameo. Like she's hardly right. in this movie. <laughs> like, right. And there's actually some ADR work on her on her part as well. Well, she's so quiet, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> that be it. I was actually surprised by the budget. I don't know if you guys know what it is. It's like fifty, right? It's like low. <laughs> It, it, it's very low. It's like, yeah, $55 million. And I was like, wow, that's uh, good on him for not making a $120 million movie. But it's I like, was... It's like of the act, of the actors he has, like, none of them are calling for, like, $20 million to, to be in the film. So it's like, like, there, and it's like a basically a single location film with a lot of sound stages, I assume. Too. So it's like, yeah, I, I get it, I guess. Like, it's not... Right, like, yeah. Yeah, there was... Did you notice, I mean, maybe this is a stupid statement but i did i was a little distracted by a lot of the green screen like every time they were outside i could tell that they were not really there yeah so i got distracted a little bit by it because i wanted it to blend in a little bit better because i always was aware that they weren't really where they were for me it kind of adds into the whole like as i said everyone's just kind of playing dress up so it's like i yeah i like i i know what you're saying like there's i imagine there's a version of this film where that it like the outside stuff is more I don't know, epic. And so like, it, it, it has this kind of more natural feel. It's like, oh, these guys really are stranded. Also, look at all these great characters we have to work with. But but for the movie that's being shown to me, it's like, okay, it's just a bunch of people wearing their wigs and mustaches and just hanging out for like a while. Right, yeah. I mean, it would be great. To, I'm pretty sure that it was, a, it was a fun set to be on when you're just, yeah, like what you're saying there, playing dress up and – you know, maybe having the craft services table really be the people that worked in the back um, and just, you know, just snacking all day and just listening to people do funny accents. <laughs> snacking all day. Snacking all day. Yeah. Willem Dafoe does does amazing accents all the time. He, he gets to do uh, like a few of them here, which uh, I always enjoy. But, um, yeah, I agree with you guys that, you know, these side characters are 
unfortunately, just side characters are not given a whole lot, um, even though they are some of them are, are more critical to the story than others. I mean, they the yes, and they some of them do kind of stand out as far as kind of the performance. Because I think, like you mentioned, Josh Gad. I think Josh Gad is quite good here. Like yeah, he, he gets he's enough. got this monologue part where I thought, oh. You know, this is this is a great range of emotion on his face right now, and he's he's able to commit to it, um, which I found great. You know, and I, I love Josh Gad in, in any situation that he's in, whether it's Olaf or you know on stage. But uh, yeah, no, there's some really good performances. Again, I was kind of chilled by by a performance from Michelle Pfeiffer, so uh, chilled in a, in a good way, like in an emotional way. I was like, oh, this is <laughs> this is a performance here that I wasn't expecting. I, I think like like Leslie Odom Jr., who I know was was big in British. he was big in Hamilton, like and he's making like one of his you know early film roles of this movie, and he's he's really good in this movie also. Like there's just a number that kind of stick out. It's like oh they're doing like no one's doing a bad job here, especially yeah. even if they're just putting on an accent or whatnot. Like it's I mean, it comes back to it, it's fine. Like the movie is, it's, right. it's yeah. fine. I've got a question for you guys on that. Uh, did you guys just kind of lose track of who was who? Or who is what, meaning like their profession? No. Um, only with the, the dancers, actually. Because you're right, they because they left for so long. Mm-hmm. When we went back to them, I'm like, what do they do again? Yeah. But no, I, I followed it. I, I got, actually totally forgot who what each person does for a living. And it I was, mean, does it, was, it matter all that much? <laughs> it doesn't, but you know, just the way that, that it's kind of shown in the trailers, um, I was like, oh, well, maybe there's going to be some cool graphics on the screen. I'll, I'll, I'll say yeah. I've seen the character posters so much where I already knew like who everybody know. was supposed to be. Like, so I wasn't really put off by that. Yeah. Like, what do they have for Josh Gad? Is it the, the handler or I don't know. Uh, it's like the, that should be the game. It's like, no, it's like the, it's like the bodyguard or something like that. Like that's, his that makes sense. Yeah. That's what he is. Kind of, he's kind of like their, well, yeah, because he's the bodyguard and Derek Jacoby is the driver. Okay. Or the valet, whatever, you know, whatever. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> gladiators, Derek Jacoby. Yes, glad. Yes, gladiators. Derek Jacoby. <laughs> <laughs> he played the tiger. Um, Man, that was a great role. And he, the <laughs> he's the assistant. There it is, the assistant. Oh, it's the assistant. Okay, that makes sense. Because Josh Gad, no, <laughs> Josh, no, Josh no, Gad no. is a bodyguard for Johnny Depp. Doesn't quite add up. Yeah. What is a governess? Is that the? Is that Penelope Cruz? That's that's Daily Riz, Daily Daisy, Daisy Ridley. I don't know. Um, Anna is informing me a governess is someone that looks after someone. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, I got gotcha. you. Makes sense. Yeah, so like, well, like a princess would have someone that looks after them. Okay. And Judy Dench is a princess, which makes me wonder how old the queen is in this scenario. Mm. She's got to be like the the actual queen of England at the time. Well, I don't know. I, I don't, Judy Dench, no, because she's like Russian or something in the movie, and she, she's or like Slavic. Now I don't know. Uh, yeah, but but her name is Princess Dragomov, Dragmirov, so it's like, how old, how old is the queen if Judy Dench is merely the princess in this scenario? <laughs> well, I mean, that's like that's like uh, Prince Charles, right? He could be a prince for the rest of his life. He's going to be a prince. Yeah, but for the there's rest at least I kn- there's a queen involved there. Like and I know the queen's old. <laughs> like I, Judy, Judy Dench is not young. Like so. that's just bad. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Any other thoughts on uh, Murder on the Orient Express? Meh. <laughs> it's fine. 
Abe, I assume you saw this in like a regular theater, right? I did see this in a regular theater. Okay, because I, 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 I didn't feel the need to go out to 70mm to go see this. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I was going to say, I did. I got to see the 70mm presentation, and like it looks great, like it looks grand, like I... <laughs> It's it's a neat way to see, especially because it's like on film and everything. So you like see. Yeah, I was gonna ask you. It's on film, right? So it's kind of grainy still, right? It's not <laughs> digitally produced. I mean, it it looks like a movie shot on film, and you even get like Great. cigarette burns in the top corner every now and then when the reels change. So it's like, oh, this is like it's it has this kind of old schoolish feel, despite having like Kevin, you mentioned so much kind of green screen and <laughs> digital effects <laughs> being added within. But uh, all right, well, let's get to it then. When should people go and see this movie? Kevin, when should people go and see this? When should people go and see this movie? Yeah, should they see it in a theater? Should they see it at a dollar theater? Should they wait till HBO or Netflix? God, that's tough. Because it does, I mean, I like the look of it. So I think seeing it on the big screen, there is there is a benefit to that. But I do think you could see it on cable. All right. And, you're, uh, you know, it's not going to be a big deal. Abe? Yeah, I agree with uh, Kevin that there's some good visuals here. And the, demo- the demographic that I went to was certainly... Uh, in that Kenneth Branagh demographic, but um, I would say you can wait till Netflix or um, or maybe if you want to bump it up, Blu-ray. It's it, it it's a weird how this is challenging, right? Because it's like none of us dislike this movie. It's just kind of like, right. well, it, it's here, like it's here to see. Yeah. Uh, I'll note that it made uh, twenty eight million this weekend. Came in third place behind Daddy's Home Two, which I did not want to go see. <laughs> third place behind Daddy's, Daddy's Home Two got thirty million, then Thor Ragnarok fifty six million. Nice. Daddy's home was a hit. That's why there's a two. <laughs> so, uh, hopefully there's not a third. Well, we'll see, you'll see. It strangely <laughs> costs more than Murder on the Orient Express, by the way. It costs $69 million to make Daddy's home, really? too. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Which is like Good. the second they time Paramount's a lot of like... Green screen there. Uh, but that's like the second time this year Paramount's like, we have a comedy, let's make sure it costs a lot of money, because they had Baywatch also, which also was way too expensive and then didn't make much money. Didn't make that much money. It's like, what? Right. how is this hard? Like, Daddy's Home 2 is like, what, a cabin? Like, how can that cost $70 million? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta pay that John Lithgow. I don't imagine, yeah, I don't imagine Mel Gibson's demanding that much these days to be in movies, so... Yeah. Um... But yeah, uh, as far as my thought, like, yeah, I agree with you guys where it's like, you don't need to race out and see it, but I do think it's kind of like the perfect, I've seen all the other like art house releases and I'm in between superhero movies and Star Wars, so I might as well go see this movie. <laughs> I guess. So whatever yeah. that qual, I guess that qualifies as dollar theater then, right? So, okay, all right. Because it's like, it's right there where it's like, it's perfectly fine for an adult audience to go and see something that's like somewhat serious, but fun also at the same time. But it's like there's so many other good things arriving and like awards contender type stuff where it's like, okay, this is also here. So it's like yeah. if you're in between stuff and you got two hours, like, yeah, all right, that's fine. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't catch that one, but I heard the guys on Out Now with Aaron and Abe talking about it and they said it's perfectly suitable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. All right. That's Murder on the Orient Express. Let's move on now. Let's get to our feedback. Feedback, 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 which I've got to open up really quickly. <laughs> this is where I go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. We asked you guys, the listeners, a number of questions, and you gave us answers, and then you asked us some questions, which we will hopefully give you some sufficient answers. Mm. Uh, Kevin, feel free to jump in and have any, add any answers if you feel fit. Okay. And let's see, our first question here is, what's your favorite murder mystery? Uh, Justin writes, Manhunter, The Prestige, and Seven. Jay writes Clue, Manish writes Rear Window, and Chris writes The Usual Suspects, probably not too popular in today's climate, but an awesome film. <laughs> I 
like he he added that. You know, he, he's aware. He knows. Um, any other favorite murder mysteries? Some good ones there. I mean, in LA Confidential. Would you consider that a murder mystery? Yeah, there's there's a mystery. There's murder. Does, does James, <laughs> what's his face? James, what's his face is really good in it with his. Uh, we don't need to talk about who's it. the murderer necessarily. <laughs> yeah. And similarly, apparently not too popular probably in today's climate. The, yeah, probably not the the best in today's climate, right? No, but, that's. Um, I mean, most Hitchcock, I would say, is a murder mystery. So. Yeah. Yeah. True. Because I'm a huge Psycho fan, I would say Psycho is a murder mystery among other things. So. Uh, of the remake, right? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, shush, great. Shush with the Aaron, remake. Aaron loves the remake of Psycho. <laughs> it's shot for shot, so it's not bad. Anyhow, um, Kevin, anything to add or I'll get? I, I don't. I'm literally trying to think of every murder mystery I've ever seen, and I can't think of anything. Yeah. So nothing uh, coming out. If you if you do come up with anything, feel free to just shout it out randomly. That's what we do. That's on the what show. I like on the show. Okay. Yeah. No context. We're just like, what is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, next question. What is your favorite Michelle Pfeiffer film uh, or films? Catherine writes, I loved her in Lady Hawk, which also starred Rutger Hauer and Matthew Broderick. Uh, I think she also added a photo. Um, Dennis has Batman Returns, Frankie and Johnny and Scarface. Uh, Renee writes Batman Returns and the Fabulous Baker Boys. Justin has just about everything. She uh, went to my mom's high school. Whoa, that's uh, wow. a world there. Tyler has Scarface, and lastly, Chris lies. Or Chris has What Lies Beneath and the Fabulous Baker Boys. I would. Add, I mean, I love Frankie and Johnny, and I would also say, weirdly, The Witches of Eastwick. Yeah, I've never seen the Fabulous Baker Boys. That has both the, the Bridges Brothers and uh, yes. and her. And I know there like there's a lot of Oscar noms for that one and everything. I know that's supposed to be good. I've never seen it. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> Is there a movie with the Bridges Brothers and the Bridge Father? With Lloyd Bridges, also, I think yeah, there is. Um, I think so too. Or they're all in it, not it, not like Lord directing or any of that. No, no, no. I think it. Um, God, I, there, there is. Is it, it going to? Now I've just ruined your life. Yes, you did. Because now I have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, all I, I Stardust is really good. With uh, Stardust is good. Yeah, with uh, Daredevil in it. Wait, yeah, with Charlie. With Charlie. Um, Charlie. Uh, I was going to say Charlie Hunnam, but that's not right. <laughs> the other Charlie, you know who Daredevil is on Netflix. <laughs> There's no need to, to go back there. I'm going <laughs> to add in for Susan Mua, Grease 2, because I know that she loves that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Grease 2. <But> yeah. <laughs> she loves it over Grease. Charlie Cox <laughs> is the... Uh... Charlie Cox. Thank you. <laughs> uh, next question we have here is a favorite Kenneth Branagh film or performance. Uh, Gary writes, Dead Again. Uh, Chris writes, Has to be Peter's Friends and Wallander. And Justin adds, Finally, you know, Wild Wild West. I'm glad that he he used www instead instead of writing it because for whatever reason I'm just like I don't like reading Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> Any other uh, favorite uh, so, Brana films? Yeah, I mean you know he's good in his early uh, '90s stuff. There's uh, like almost pure drama, but uh, I don't know nothing really that comes to mind. I like him as just Kenneth Brana, uh, Harry Potter. Professor. Oh, in Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, where he's like Professor Gilderoy Lockhart, who basically... That's a, It's a fun role. Yeah, he just plagiarizes everybody's work. Yeah. yeah I have no favorites for him. There you go. Well, I was like, I can take him or leave him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe you'll have a favorite for the next one here. What is your favorite Judy Dench film? Oh, God. Says Mrs. Brown and 007. Uh, Tyler has Philomena or 007 movies. Or Philomena. 
Philomena. Philomena is is what happens when you watch Philomena. Uh, Manish has notes on a scandal. Tyler has notes on a scandal, and my favorite performance, anyway. Um, Dame Judi Dench. I do like Philomena quite a bit, actually. I was big on that film when it was coming. I mean, as far as like those kind of movies go. That's the real life movie of directed by what's his face, right? Um, it's the Steve, guy from the, the yeah. Well, Stephen uh, Stephen Frears directed, but Stephen Steve Coogan wrote it. Steve Coogan. He, he, yeah. he co-wrote the screenplay, so yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a yeah true story of the, the woman who like she was her child was taken away from her while she was living in like a convent and all this stuff. Oh yeah, that was good. Uh, let's see. Let's move on. Favorite film involving an ensemble cast. Chris okay. writes The Towering Inferno or The Original Magnificent Seven. Braun adds, friend of the show, um, Clue, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, and Pulp Fiction. I like that. Ensemble cast? I mean, there's lots. Uh, traffic yeah, there's traffic lot. comes to mind. I tend to think of traffic when I think of ensemble casts. Why would you think about cars being like bumper to bumper? I know, right? But here we are. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of cars, cars too. Yeah, great ensemble cast. <laughs> uh, do you guys have any uh, anything to add uh, for the ensemble cast? I know this a lot, so that's why it's kind of like difficult to pin down. Yeah, no, I can't think of anything. Almost anything involving the Avengers as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, next question: What is your favorite film uh, featuring an abundance of wigs and mustaches? Uh, Gary writes Marie Antoinette. And Chris writes, well, Sam Elliott is the, has the best damn mustache in the business. I just had to give her the respect it deserves. Not really a favorite, but I, I think Gangs of New York had the best conglomeration of wigs and stashes. That's a, yeah, that's a pretty good He's one. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. I'd also add in Lincoln. I was going to say the great battle of 2012 that had Lincoln, Argo, and, and um, well, not True Grit, but like there was, <laughs> it was like a big... True Grit was like the year before, and then it became like Lincoln and Argo in the same year had like this amazing repertoire of mustaches and wings going around. Yeah. I definitely agree. Yeah, there there was like a, a resurgence of it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of wigs and mustaches in the Murder on the Orient Express, which I felt so I felt it was a necessary question. Different kinds of mustaches too. Like oh yeah, it was a variety. Ones, yeah, really big burly <laughs> ones, and then uh, you know everything in between. Let's uh, let's get to our questions. We got some questions asked to us this week. Tyler asks, "Would you like to see more remakes of older works like Border on the Orient Express remade true to the period, or would you rather see them modernized, as in set, you know, like in current times?" Hmm. You know, that's a good question. It's kind of more of a toss-up because I like different people's takes on on classic movies and also just uh, modernizations of it. So, for instance. Uh, while Sherlock isn't a movie, we kind of talk about them as movies because they're all an hour and a half each for the episodes. Um, but that's a modern take on Sherlock Holmes, right? And it's fun um, and it's it's stylish. Uh, whereas something like this, where it's kind of more of a period piece, it's also fun. It's not terrible. So, you know, whatever the director is feeling, uh, I'm more than happy to check out the product. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's. Because when you say that, I'm like, huh, I wonder what a modern take of Murder on the Orient Express would have been like. But at the same it time... Starred, uh, it would have starred uh, Zac Efron. Right. <laughs> See, and that's that's the problem. Is then you start to make it a little... It starts to get eye-rolling. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's That's... I don't know. I'm, I'm tossed up between those two. Yeah, it's kind of like... It, it just, yeah, depends on the director working with, and, you know, the vision that they have for said film. But at the same time... I tend to think of it as like, well, how much does technology affect how the story would work? Or like, how much do like cell phones and the internet make the story moot? Like, do they yeah. do they negate things that would otherwise work in a period drama? 
and you know the cleverer the writer is the better they can figure out a way to do something beyond just saying oh we lost signal like if you can find if you can find other ways to like handle it um it works i'm trying i'm thinking specifically of orion express where it's like Mm -hmm. whether it be like security cameras and like people would be (laughs) instagramming crime scenes and stuff yeah so that's where it kind of takes some more clever thinking right so for modern day you'd have to think about those uh the modern appliances and modern tools and then see how you can work around them which is kind of Another thing that Sherlock does. Or, like, and, Perot as a detective could, like, connect the dots a lot quicker if he had, like, you know, a phone with the internet with him to go, go on to newspaper sites or whatnot. Like, yeah. there's a lot of but things I, like that. I think that there's some, some clever things that can be done there. Oh, I do, um, for sure. Like, there's a, yeah. But, yeah, I think there's, because there's been a number of films that kind of take, like, Shakespeare, for example, is an easy one because they adapt Shakespeare all the time. But, like, you've Romeo seen, plus Juliet? Romeo plus Juliet, exactly. But, like, <laughs> but like, lot, or like, like, 10 things I hate about you or whatnot. Like, there's lots of right, yeah. modernized or Shakespeare Clueless, stories. Which is Clueless, the, yeah. Uh, um, Emma, which Emma. is the retelling of Emma. Yeah. So, yeah, there's some clever things that you can do with it. Uh, the last question is from Gary. What new releases are you most excited about for the remainder of this year? And I'm envious of uh, both uh, Aaron and uh, Kevin because you guys have seen way more things that uh, I haven't. <laughs> so I mean, I, I'm sure you guys have went to that Coco premiere and you guys have probably seen The Shape of Water. I haven't seen so. Coco yet. <laughs> I haven't seen The Shape of Water, but not Coco. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm based. I mean, it's this question's basically besides Star Wars. What else am I looking forward to? <laughs> and so it's. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess the post. Honestly, I'm looking for. I mean, this new Spielberg film. It's, it's... I'm, I want to see the Greatest Showman because I am. I'm a musical fan, so I'm curious. It's a good trailer. Like I am. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm looking forward to too. It's just yeah. Like it's more of like I haven't seen much from it to really have the mo- have the energy to keep being like, oh yeah, that movie's coming out. <laughs> like. So. Which makes me nervous because I'm like, is, is it going to be terrible? Because they're not really, they're not really promoting it. It's weird. We'll see. We'll see. Like, I mean, we'll see. We'll see after uh, this coming week. Because <laughs> it's not like it's an original um, drama, yeah. right? A musical. Yeah. So it's not like like something because like there is a musical about P.T. Barnum called Barnum that Glenn Close started on Broadway, and I don't know why they just didn't do that. Right close. They wow. had their own ideas when they got, but I mean, as a, I'm saying that because opposed to something like I guess like Lame Is, where people know the songs or whatnot, you can build up hype that way. This is like, yeah. all right, it's you can either go like all in with you know crazy amount of marketing, or you can just kind of wait till the month to, of December and just get it going then. Because yeah, people are yeah. have... downsizing. I want to see downsizing. I'm Ooh. seeing that. You know, you know what downsizing? They showed it. They showed a different trailer before I watched. Um, yeah, newer one this came movie. out. Yeah. And, and I was kind of bummed out that I, I had to sit through that because it's like, oh, well, now I know some some of the plot reveal. Yeah, that, it goes a little further that I've seen downsizing. So it's it, it I, I like I liked knowing less going into downsizing. Yes. And I think this trailer helps because <laughs> oh, no, I didn't watch the new trailer. So yeah. I OK, watch. yeah, don't don't you don't need to. Yeah, okay. whatever, it, you know, downsizing right now, just stick with it. Yeah. Ooh, disaster artist, too. I'm seeing that tomorrow. You're watching that tomorrow? Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, it's it. You're seeing AFI Fest? Right. Or no, no, that's tonight. No. It's just a screening. Yeah. No. Oh. Mm. I got to talk to you after this because I also <laughs> to, I need I need to know where that screening is. <laughs> is that the Okay. We'll get we'll get to it. Let's um <laughs> Yeah. That was feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's uh, move on now. Let's get to let's get what time is it, Abe? Aaron, I think it's time for a very quick game here. Fun fact, that's actually uh, Inspector Perot's uh, ringtone. 
<laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. That is, of course, the improv theme for games. And I have a game for you guys this week. It's called I Think I've Solved It. <laughs> All right. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to list a number of murder scenarios, and you have to guess the film. I'm going to say the location of said murder and what was used to kill somebody. Just All like right. Clue. Spoiler if... game? We have to say there's spoilers in this? Um, not necessarily, because I'm not specifically referencing certain victims, and it's not about... I'm not... You'll see. Okay. Like, I, I, I'm... Pre- yeah, if you feel like proceeding with caution, you can, but I don't think there's anything here that's really damaging to not viewing certain films. So. I gotcha. All right. Actually, I, 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 I can ensure that. There's really nothing here that spoils <laughs> much in any way. Proceed. Yeah. Okay. So if you think you know the answer, yell out your name and the answer. All right. Here we go. Here's the first one. At a cabin with a wood chipper. Abe. Abe. Fargo. Fargo is the correct answer. Here's the next Abe. one. Uh-huh. I was going to say and, but then I was like, no, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Here's the... <laughs> In a cabin with poisoned coffee. Shoot. I know this one. Poisoned coffee. Shit. In a, in a in cabin, a cabin during a snowstorm with poisoned yes. coffee. Kevin. Kevin? Um, oh, my God. I can't remember the name of it. Quentin Tarantino. That, that is a director. Come on, Kevin. Now I'm going to yeah. go for the steal if you don't know it. I know. It was super long, and I didn't like it. There's a number of these people, yep, and they're super distasteful. Yep. <laughs> Come on, Kevin. The hateful eight is the correct yeah. answer. All right. <laughs> I mean, that was good. That was good from the clues, because I was like, wait a minute, how many movies are there with cabins and poison coffee? <laughs> Here's the next one. On the highway with a cattle gun. Abe. Abe? Country for old men. No country for old men is the correct answer. Here's the next one. Backstage with a water tank. Water tank? Might be a movie I haven't seen. You've seen it. Backstage behind the curtain right with a water tank i want to say death trap down i don't know it (laughs) it uh let's see it's from the 2000s yeah it features a notable director abe yeah prestige the prestige is the correct answer there you go here's the next one in the shower with a knife. Kevin. Kevin. Psycho. Psycho is the correct answer. The remake, Aaron's favorite. Shut up. <laughs> Here's the next one. From a parking garage with a sniper rifle. Abe. Abe? Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher is the correct answer. Here's the next one. At a factory with an anvil. Abe? Yeah. Roger Rabbit. Who framed Roger Rabbit is the correct oh answer. <laughs> Those weasels. <laughs> Here's the next one. This is a reach. In feudal Japan with a sword. Kevin. Kevin? Hero? Incorrect. Damn it. I, I'm not going to know this one. <laughs> okay, it's Rashomon. That's what I was going for. Okay. <laughs> Oh, it wasn't here on China. <laughs> yes, that was also. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was part of it. <laughs> so we've lost our Polish listeners and our Chinese listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Here's the next one. On the outside of a car with multiple gunshots. Oh, Kevin. Kevin. Bonnie and Clyde? Incorrect. 
Oh, I stink. Outside of a car? With multiple oh, gunshots. Hey. Yeah. Training day. Incorrect. I don't know. I feel like I have to emphasize that I was going for murder mysteries for the most part. Some of these aren't quite <laughs> as know. applicable, but the answer is Zodiac. That's what I was going for. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Well, I you know, they, they needed to know how, how Denzel was going to come up with a million dollars. Honestly, I start I started out with more murder mystery themed ones. But and then now, it, it's just, now it's just like murder. No, there's still, a, there's still a mystery angle to all of these films, but I would say the it became something Kevin was concerned with as far as spoilers. So I was like, I shouldn't go too far into some of these. So. Yeah, okay. Here's the last one. In an apartment across the way with a knife at night. Kevin? Yeah. Um, oh, crap. Hitchcock. Yeah. The uh, James Stewart. It's, the hell's name? It's, a, it's a lower part of an area. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's in the back, some would say. <laughs> oh, my God. Why can't I remember the name? An opening space. <laughs> It's it's all yours, Kevin. You look it's, out of these. Yeah, window the rear window. Yes, there you go. <laughs> it's a lower space. It's a little early in the morning for me. <laughs> right. Let me add sense. this up. This is a close game, I think. Let me see here. Telling. Kevin, unfortunately, you came in second place this week because Abe, you are a winner. Whatever. <laughs> it's a close game, though. That was a close game, though. It's a close game. Um, bonus question. Okay. What is Kenneth Branagh's uh, biggest box office success as a director? Thor. Thor uh, is second. What? Yeah. Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan's third. It's Cinderella. He directed Cinderella. Yes, he directed Cinderella. The live action one from from a few years ago. No, he was an animator back in the fifties. He directed Cinderella. <laughs> yes, the the, and the the live action one. <laughs> that one wasn't bad. I liked it. I like that yeah, actually it's a lot. Good. Uh, uh, you know his biggest film as an actor. Um, no, I don't. Yeah, no. If you Am took I? two seconds to think about things you said recently about uh, Kenneth Branagh roles, you might guess it pretty easily. Jack Ryan Shatter? <laughs> no, that movie was a bomb. That's not his biggest movie. <laughs> uh, it's oh, Harry yeah, Potter. Harry Potter. Yeah, and, Harry Potter, uh, Chamber of Secrets. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter, whichever one it was. Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets. Which made like $800 million worldwide. Harry Potter was huge, guys. <laughs> that was just the second movie. <laughs> Uh, Dunkirk is after that, then Wild Wild West as an actor. Dunkirk is his second most profitable movie? $500 million, yeah, I made, made some money. Oh, good job, Dunkirk. <laughs> yeah. And then Wild Wild West, because, yeah. <laughs> well, I remember I remember the Burger King deals that were going on during that movie time. Yeah, yeah that was a huge part of it. Let's yeah. uh, That was games. <laughs> let's, um, Thank you. Let's move on. Let's get to uh, Out Now Presents What's Out Now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week. First up is Atomic Blonde. Yeah, see it. I liked it. Eh, yeah, I, didn't, yeah, I was yeah. bored. I'm with Kevin. <laughs> <I was> bored. <laughs> How many times can I see her walking, walking forward in the center of the camera, trying to be a supermodel? But um, she is it's the entire movie. They always frame her right in the center, walking really slow, and I got bored. That's a good point. Next up, Wind River. Hot take. I don't think it's that good. <laughs> I've heard mixed reviews on this from uh, from this show specifically. We're like the only show that will 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 give it a mixed review. <laughs> I, yeah, I liked it, but I thought the reveal was like, we're going to tell you what happened, but yeah. nothing comes in. It was yeah. Judy Dench. I, yeah, it was Judy Dench. I, no, I agree. Like, It's like, I think it's fine, but the kind of overwhelming praise I see getting makes me not like it as much. <laughs> like it's, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, also up, Brigsby Bear, which oh, I, I really like. Yeah, yeah. Brigsby Bear. Good. 
See, Luigi, very good. I feel like Kevin and I disagree a lot, but we've agreed on all of these movies so far. <laughs> That's true. Uh, also out, The Nut Job 2, colon, Nutty by Nature. Did that get released in theaters? Yes. Yeah. Okay. In August. Okay. Maybe um, we should make an animated movie, Aaron. Speaking of films that nearly got, yeah. Speaking of films that nearly didn't get a release, Amityville: The Awakening. I they will not send me a review copy, so I can't see it. <laughs> I heard it's not good. Yeah, Wait I mean, it got it's been delayed for like seventeen years. So yeah, it's <laughs> it's been a minute. Wait, who's in this movie? Uh, Jennifer Thorne. Jason Lee, Bella Thorne. Wait, it's been it's been in. This movie was made 17 years ago? No, I'm kidding. No, I'm just, oh, I'm exaggerating. Okay. But it's been like, held back for like three, like almost like three years, like by, by Weinstein Company, which does not speak well for a number well, of reasons these days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Also out, Preacher Season 2. I like Preacher. I'm a fan I've heard of mixed show. reviews on that show. I write about it weekly when it was coming out. Oh, uh, well, let's see. there you go. On uh, Criterion this week, uh, Desert Hearts and Le Samurai. Le Samurai is a great movie. Le Samurai? Le Samurai, yes. Okay. It is a Jean-Pierre Melville film, and the reason you get cool assassins in movies is largely because of Le Samurai. That's how influential this film has been. So, okay. It's a good one. Like, seriously, that's like, when you see cool hitmen, it's because everyone's copying Jean-Pierre Melville's Le Samurai. <laughs> like, that's where it comes I'm looking at the poster here. The poster looks pretty cool. Yeah, he, like, he has a sweet hat, dresses yeah. cool. Has a gun, like it's like, yeah, this is where cool hitmen come from. <laughs> uh, let's see. Next, that's ex- what's out now. Next up, extremely cool. These are things that are now streaming on Netflix uh, and where else, wherever else, but maybe or Netflix. Amazon or Amazon. Yeah, I'm just, just only so much stuff comes up on Amazon, so it's like it's hard to keep track. Yeah. Um, first up is uh, a documentary called "Let It Fall: Los Angeles, 1982-1992." Um, this is directed by John Ridley, who got the Oscar for Twelve Years a Slave. It is a documentary chronicling racial tensions in L.A. before the Rodney King riots. And, hmm, uh, interesting. It sounds interesting, and I really want to check it out. So that's why I had it listed here, because that came out in this week. Yeah. Also, also out, in case you want to relive the past, 11 8 a documentary going over the election from last year. Oh, God. Oh, Probably okay. an upper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And lastly, Lady Dynamite Season 2. Uh, Maria Bamford's comedy. What is that about? Maria Bamford is like, she's... She's had like um, I'm not gonna say like mental illness, but she's had kind of like a breakdown in her life, and I know she's she's kind of found her way back, become a sex, successful comedian, and has made kind of a series chronicling the kind of things she goes on um, in her mind. And mm. I only saw the first couple episodes of the first season, um, uh, but it's it's really interesting. Like it's a neat kind of it kind of jumps around in a way that represents i guess they're like kind of a, a fractured state of mind which i think is okay. interesting but it's a comedy you're, ma- you're making yeah it is yeah no, sorry it is oh, it is oh, yeah. it is it's very like much like a sad drama but it no. very much is a broad <laughs> comedy that's for sure it's just it, i think okay. the approach to it is very interesting like it, and it's called what again uh, lady Di- lady dynamite lady dynamite okay. and it's got like that's a lot season like season two Okay. Yeah, it's on season two. Kudos right? for getting season two. And a lot of people show up in, like Patton Oswalt's in like the first episode. Like, there's a lot of like other comedians, which makes sense, but still. Yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Next week's show. Next week we're talking Justice League. That's that's what's going down next week. I don't know why I laugh when I say that, but it just yeah, seems I like, like I don't know why either. Well, like in a different world, you feel like a Zack Snyder directed Joss Whedon scripted Justice League movie would be like the most exciting thing, but it's like nope. I'm just kind of like here we go. Let's see what this is. I, I kind of feel like that too. Like, if this came out in, like, 20, 2009, be like, yeah, all right, let's see Justice League. Let's see how that goes. But now, yeah. it's, now it's like, yep, let, let's see how this works out. Let's find out. Yeah. But, uh, all right. Last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? 
Kevin, what should people see in theaters right now? Oh, Lord. Um, if you need a list, I can give you a list. Yeah, please. Thor Ragnarok, Bad Bombs Christmas, Jigsaw, <laughs> Tyler Perry's Boo 2, Medea Halloween. There's Geostorm. smaller things like Lady Bird, Wonderstruck. Oh, Lady Blade Bird. Runner. Lady Satan. Bird, um, Blade Runner I did love. And you know what? It's not great, but if you're looking for a comedy, Bad Moms Christmas did make me chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but for how long in an hour and 40 minute movie? I mean, I I, I did enjoy it, but I mean, nothing. It, I, I was reminded that the first one was much better, mm-hmm. but I was still entertained fine. <laughs> I know that's terrible. So go see Lady Bird. It's better. It's good. <laughs> what do you see next? Um... I see Disaster Artist, Downsizing, and then I'm going to have to pay for Justice League because I'm seeing Hamilton the night of the the press screening. So No, you guys and your theater. <laughs> Not theater. <laughs> theater. Abe? If, Doctor, if Planet of the Apes was in, in uh, Broadway format, I'd definitely see that. <laughs> uh, but I'd recommend seeing Thor Ragnarok. I think that's a fun romp. And uh, next, Justice League. We'll find out what that's all about. Wait, can I jump back? You mentioned Planet of the Apes as a theater piece. Do you know that they are doing a King Kong musical? I did not know that. Is there going to be singing in it with Phil Hartman? <laughs> <laughs> there is no singing ape, I found. But oh. original score <laughs> coming to Broadway next year. Okay. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah, Thor Ragnarok is fine. Uh, it's, it's fun. Uh, Lady Bird is great. Killing of a Sacred Deer. And Wonderstruck, I'll just keep saying those because they're good and they deserve more attention. <laughs> but uh, Wonderstruck in particular, because it. it is like a it is a family film. Like anyone can go see Wonderstruck. It's just yeah, yeah. it's boring. I don't think it's Aww. boring. I think it's quite good. I got so bored halfway through. I was like, I know exactly where this is going. I'm not surprised by any of it. it I like where it was. I like how it got there. <laughs> I was disappointed. And next is yeah, there's a lot. There's still a five fest happening. Um, I think I'm seeing Woody Allen's movie with Wonder Wheel this week. Oh. And uh, maybe a disaster artist. We'll see. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. You can find my, all my written movie reviews over there, as well as on We Live Entertainment. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over at uh, Oakley Doakley on Instagram and uh, twitter.com slash wallersmoose. Hashtag, why is it got to be Orient Express? Uh, and then... <laughs> <laughs> and also at uh, the sports podcast sub 640 <laughs> really glossing over that o- the other podcast you do <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure how to position it just yet you know? all you have to say is hey i co-host another podcast it's called sub 640 you can find it on itunes like, that's there easy you go. <laughs> it's about sports and other pop culture <laughs> i'll i'll write you're your selling, flyers you're selling it way better than i am <laughs> sir <laughs> kevin taff where can people find more of your work online uh edgemedianetwork.com There'd be film, theater, concerts, reviews. All right. You can find all the other episodes about now with Aaron and Abe over on iTunes as well as on uh, Audioboom. Listen to us over at SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLD. Feel free to email us your thoughts on Orient Express or anything else we talked about today over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Send us feedback, answer our questions over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or you can tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, if you can find gifts of trains involving clowns, you know, a combination of the two, send those to Abe or our Tumblr page at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. Send Abe clowns. <laughs> uh, Kevin, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Yeah, for sure. Glad to have you on. And until next week, when we find out how to unite the league, that's going to do it for this episode. So until then, so long. And goodbye. Goodbye.
It's a, it's a mix of, like, Southern Dandy and racism, and it really works for him. <laughs> Mr. West! I, I started watching Florence, like, Florence, what? Florence Foster Jenkins. Hercule Perot to determine the culprit. <laughs> the problem is, everyone seems to be a suspect. What was that again? Hercule Perot. everybody here. Everyone's a scoundrel. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> he, I mean, I'm eating cake as I'm doing that. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other lines from the train. My name is El Guilburo, and I may just be the greatest detective in the world. <laughs> That's my Imagine Dragons. That's the best thing. Yep, and, then, and then right now it's just like black screen with blue letters, neon letters, murder on the Orient Express. This movie could have used more neon. I can say that. See, I, I thought that, that was actually going to be something that they have in the, in the movie. And I was like, oh, that's a cool way to do it. But like little anyway. labels, like gang, the gangster. Yeah, kind of like, uh, kind of like uh, Sherlock style. Yeah. All right.